Amen. All right. I don't know if we had any of those pictures of our lovely children, but um, there should be some popping up there. They've been having a great time. Oh, that's all right. That's our missions people. But anyway, I will, we'll go ahead and continue on. I did find it funny, though, because there they are. We've got they're learning to belong because they know they're a part of this church, and they're learning to grow. Last week, they're, yeah, last week, and they're learning that they belong here. And this is their church. They're our future church. And they're excited about that. So be careful because they're getting ready. They're going to take you by storm, all right? So, And then I did even was unpacking the copier paper for the office a couple weeks ago and realized that even our paper has purpose. And I thought for sure I would go ahead and make sure I printed my message notes on the paper. It said it right there on the wrapper. It said paper with purpose. And I thought, wow, well, I have got to get me some of that paper. And here it is right here. Doesn't it look purposeful? I was like, seriously? Paper with purpose. Okay, good, good, good. So anyhow, you know, over the weeks, the first purpose we looked at was what? You're created to be love. God made you to love you. The second purpose was that you're created to belong, right? Belong. Belong to the family of God, to the church, to his family. And last week we looked at the third purpose, which was you're created to become, okay? That's where God wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants us to become who he made us to be. But here's the great part, you guys. As we do that, Not when we're fully mature, not when we're all grown up and have it all together do we do today's purpose. It's while we're doing that, okay? So don't think, well, I'm not there yet. I can't do today's purpose. You can because it's a process we're all in. Today's purpose we're going to look at, the fourth one, is your call. You're created to bless. You're created to bless. And we bless other people. How do we bless other people? There's many ways. We bless people when we serve them. When we serve them. Okay, it might be physical assistance, it could be financial, emotional support, relational support, practical support. Going to a small group, that's blessing people because you are putting into their life relationally. Everybody can do that, right? Right, good. Even our kids have small groups and they lead them themselves. There are a thousand ways we can serve. And when we serve people, the Bible says we bless them. Okay, check this out. The fourth purpose of my life, God shaped me to serve him. He gave us all a shape. And as we have more birthdays, the shape changes just a little bit. Okay, but he shaped us to serve him. And there's a there's a couple of things. Now, I'm not going to get into these in detail, but I want to put them out there for you this morning. He shaped us with five elements, your spiritual gifts. You know, in the Bible, there's many gifts. There's teaching, there's prophecy, there's giving, there's faith, healing, wisdom, helps, all kinds of gifts, okay? God gave you a specific one or maybe two or several that are you're strong in, or maybe you've got a little bit of that gift, but he gave you a gift. And part of that is your spiritual gift. And guess what? Somebody gave me this beautiful gift for my birthday, and I have not opened it yet. But let's say, women, (laughs) that in this beautiful pink package is the secret to our every skin, youth-looking facial problem in the world. And it's right there. And it's perfect. It doesn't dry your skin too tight, not too loose. It's just right. But if I don't ever open it, I'm like, well, I got the gift. That's all that matters, right? I got it. It's all good doesn't do me a thing of good. I can sleep on it. It doesn't do me any good. Okay, also, if God has a gift for us as a church to reach the world, and it's right here, right here, but we don't open it, we're like, well, the gift's inside of me. It's the secret, the ultimate secret for winning the lost. But I'm not going to, I just can't quite open it. I'm just going to have it. I have it. It doesn't do any good. Okay, spiritual gift. Your heart, what are you passionate about? 
God gave you a passion for something. And you know what? That passion might change over the years. You might be passionate for a while about this. And when God said, hey, you fulfilled, your, you got that. Somebody else is carrying the torch, but he stirs something new in you. It's okay, but you've got a passion. Okay, that's the one thing I admire about Husker fans, besides the fact I think they're weird. But I think Husker fans are passionate, and I think that is an awesome quality. If i got to stir myself up to have passion about Husker football, so be it. But you got to be passionate about something. Your abilities, God made you with certain abilities that he didn't give to anybody else. Your personality, thank goodness now we don't all have the same one, right? But he gave you a personality that is just for you. And experiences, we have all experienced different things. I cannot speak to somebody's life who's experienced something I haven't experienced as well as somebody who's already experienced that. So don't think, man, my experience is awful, or my experience is just kind of not too great, or not a big deal, or it is a big deal. Your experience will speak to somebody else. And if you don't ever open up your gift and share your experience, somebody's going to walk away and never know the Lord or never reach a new new place in Him. I can't be your experience I don't want to necessarily know the details of your experience because you have to communicate it. You have to use that for somebody else. Your shape, and guess what? All these things you can read about more in the book, the Purpose Driven Book. You can also learn about them more at Builders next weekend. <laughs> Ching, okay? So come to Builders and we will tell you more about how to develop your shape. Okay? But it's very, it's very key that you find that shape. Your shape reveals your ministry, but guess what? Your servant's heart reveals your maturity. And that is revealed in those little acts of service that nobody else thinks about. Okay? Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's masterpiece. Don't you ever doubt that. You are his work of art. You know, there's many kinds of art, and I had to look them up online because I don't know. There's Picasso, you know, and there's all those impressionist people and expressionism, ex- abstraction, realism, cubists, and, you know, all these different things. Some of all of us are, cu- you know, got the exact lines that are just like this and the colors are bright and bold. Then you got other people that are more that, you know, oh, expressionist, and, <clears throat> you know, impressionism, and they're all kind of blended together, floaty, floaty. And it looks great because you want a certain kind of work of art in a certain part of this beautiful building of ours, this house of God, and you want another kind of work of art and with another part, you may want somebody who's all, you know, bright and bold out with the kids. I don't know. Maybe all y'all like the like, soft things. So we want those kind of masterpieces in here. And you can't take a Picasso nose and stick it on Monet, right? It doesn't work. So don't try to get somebody else's masterpiece to be yours. Be you. All right? Okay. We are created in Jesus to do good works. Good works is your service. Good works is your ministry. Good works is your blessing. Another word for service is ministry. Guess what? The word servant and the word minister are the same word in the Bible. Servant and minister. Service, ministry. Can you say that? Service, Service. ministry. Ministry. Same one. Guess what, you guys? I'm on a team of pastors. We're not all pastors in here, but those of us who are, our job is to administer the ministers. If somebody asks you, how many ministers does your church have? You know how people do that. Oh, yeah, so how many ministers does your church have? You'd be like, 250. <laughs> 250. Because you all, every single one of you, are a minister of God. And don't you forget it. You guys are ministers. And our job as pastors is to administer you. If you ever see me doing something I shouldn't be doing because you should be doing it, you come and say, hey, excuse me, that's my job. 
I'm not doing it just because I want to do it all. I'm doing it because you guys somehow have a hard problem with that. You guys got to help me. I'm used to just do, 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 and I need to release, release, release. So if you feel like I'm not doing it, come and remind me. I will gladly release it to you immediately on the spot. Okay? Great. Now, 2 Corinthians 12.7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. If we don't use our gift, somebody else gets cheated. If someone doesn't use their gift, you get cheated. Okay? There's a quote I came across, and I don't totally agree with the first part. It says, Christians are like snowflakes. They're frail. I don't think we're frail. But okay, you know snowflake's beautiful, but, but on its own. But when they stick together, they can stop traffic. Let's stop some traffic, people. Okay? Don't just floaty float around being all beautiful and sparkly and frosted over. Let's get together and stop some traffic out there. And you know what I mean by stopping traffic, right? Yeah, the enemy is trying to move some stuff, and we're going to stop the traffic. Amen. But you've got to stick together. You've got to use your gift, right? Use the gift. Otherwise, the enemy wins. Okay, whatever you're good at, you should be doing it for the church. God did not give you abilities to make a living. He gave you abilities to minister. Yeah, what you should do that God gave you to do, you should do it here. All right? I love these verses. Proverbs 3.28 says, Never tell your neighbors to wait till tomorrow if you can help them today. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, If you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Ouch. I know, I know, I know. Right? It's the Bible. It's true. I'm just reading from the Bible, okay? So don't wait until you think your gift is beautiful enough to use it. Or you've tried it on, made sure it fits. Like today I put on these pants, they are way too long. That's why I'm wearing boots, okay? But don't wait until you've washed them 50 times to put them on. Put on your gift and use it, all right? How do you discover it? You're saying, I don't know what my gift is. Here's a good way. Start serving. Just jump in, okay? Experiment with different ministries. This church is packed full of ministries, Okay? Until you're involved with serving, you don't even, maybe you won't know what you're good at. <laughs> you might find out, okay, singing on the worship team is not for me. Or, hey, yeah, it is for me because I rock, okay? Or maybe, you know, working with the babies, I don't like to change diapers, but I'd rather talk to the two-year-olds because we're just on that, you know, okay? Or I'd like to usher. Maybe not great, but I want to do this. Okay, just do it. I guarantee you there's nothing you can do that will go horribly wrong. God will fail to show up. He will show up whether you do your job beautifully or eh, or whatever. We around here are not after perfection. We want participation. And we are so much happier to work with somebody who's like, I want to serve. I don't know what to do. Tell me how to do it and I'll do it. We're not after perfection. Don't stop experimenting. It's an experiment. It's not a failure. It's an experiment. Okay? And trust me, we are not going to sign you up for the rest of your life to be stuck in one ministry area. I'm constantly asking kids workers, are you doing good? Do you feel how's God talking to you about this? You want to keep, okay, we're not going to tie you down to greet till you're dead. Okay. <laughs> Sign up, experiment, come and say, Hey, I just feel like God's called me to do this and, or help me. Am I, what, and we'll move you around. You can't have your ear and your foot for long. It doesn't work that way. So if you're doing something in the body of Christ that doesn't quite fit you, <laughs> tell us, we'll switch you around. It's good. You think about the body, your actual body, right? Remember we talked about this a couple months ago? And there's a difference between prominent body parts, prominent and significant. Prominent body parts on your body, you could probably live without them. It's the hidden features that are indispensable. Okay? Let me just tell you, I did not get my nails painted this morning, but my stomach is working great. (laughs) And I'm happy about that. 
Hidden part, works great. That's all we care about, right? Nails not done, big deal. I can stand here and be well. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, so one part of the body that serves is not any less significant, is not any more important. I was just telling our Taught Town teachers this morning while we prayed together, what you guys are doing is foundational. If you guys don't teach the two-year-olds, by the time they get up into here, our church is going to be like, whoa, because they didn't have a good foundation. Okay? If we can't see those teachers, doesn't mean it's any less important. My goodness, it is so very important. Okay? It is very important. It's the, it's the, it's the vital part. And here's the deal. When we're serving, we're servants, okay? Servants think like stewards, not owners. God is the owner anyhow. God made it all. We are stewards. And you know, if somebody entrusts something you to take care of, don't you be all like, oh, I better do a good job, because oh my goodness. Okay, you are stewards, you are steward of that. You are taking care of it. You're nurturing it. You don't have the pressure of anything else but to do your part. God's the owner. Do you guys hear that? God's the owner. All the pressure is on him. All we gotta do is be a steward. Right? Right. Stewards think about their work. They don't think about what somebody else is doing. Stewards don't compare. They don't criticize. They don't compete. They're too busy working. Don't you love that kind of a steward? So busy just doing what they're supposed to do. They don't worry about what's going on around them or how somebody's doing it because I didn't do it that way or, oh my goodness, you know, they just do their work because servants have their identity in Christ. They are loved and accepted by grace. They don't have to prove their worth. And here's a great quote. We have to give up measuring our meaning and our value with the yardstick of others because then we're free to be compassionate. Throw out the yardstick. Don't measure. Just serve and love because God is your grace. God's your identity. He loves you. He made you. My life calling, I think this is on your notes, is to be a bivocational minister of Jesus. What does bivocational mean? It's like bifocal, right? You know you get those glasses that are bifocals? All these candles on my cake, I think I'm getting closer, but I don't need them quite yet. But bifocals, you can see two things at the same time. It's like a superpower, really. You know? I was thinking about that. I'm like, that's pretty cool. You can see two things at once. That is so cool. Superpower, super Mr. Jim over there. Yeah. You can see far away and you can see up close. And you know what? Actually, we just stopped the boat right there. That's really key because when you're ministering in a church, you have to see what you're doing here, but you have to keep in perspective the long run. So how we do church now is how we're going to do it when we're 500 people. So when we have kids security, we do it like we would do it if we had 100 kids walking around here. How we do ushering and greeting, we do it now like we're going to do in the future. We think long term while we're seeing the now. Okay? And so that is really cool. That is something because tomorrow's going to be here tomorrow. And next Sunday we're going to have all those people. And the Sunday after that, you know, it is coming. And so we got to get ready with the long term in our view. But bifocal minister of Jesus, that means for two reasons. You do things in your life for two reasons, not for one. Whether you're a truck driver or an attorney or a janitor or a hospice worker or a homemaker, teacher, dealmaker, stockbroker, accountant, farmer, whatever it is you are. You are a Christian. You do it for two reasons. To help others and to serve God. Honor God. The Bible says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks. (laughs) There's the key. Giving thanks to him. I can take out the garbage as a ministry. I can change a dirty diaper. I can clean the living room. I can make a deal. I can help somebody across the street. Because I do it as a ministry with thanksgiving to the Lord. Check this out. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when I do it out of love for God. 
You say you love somebody. I mean, it's Valentine's weekend, lovey-dovey-dove, okay? You say, I love you. When you get married, you say, I love you. And then you never do a thing for that person ever. <laughs> yeah, I hear laughter. Okay, you don't take out the trash. You don't help with the dishes. You don't make dinner. You don't get a job. You just sit around the house. I love you. I love you. And the person's like, you do? I don't see any action. You know, am I staying here? You're a kid, or you've been a kid, or you're a parent, and you say to each other, I love you, but they never provide for you. Do you, you think they really do? Same thing with God. God, I love you. God, I love your church. God, I love your agenda. I love your kingdom. Don't do anything. Does that really show? The Bible says people know we're God's by the way we love each other. And love is an action. It's not a gooey feeling. It's an action. And God, people have to see that. If they see a church just sitting around and five people are doing everything and so it's all frazzled and nutso, does that really look like love to them? Not really. I'm glad we don't have a church like that. I'm really glad we don't. Okay? Now, you know what? There's some uh, examples that I've seen around. You know, a lot of things you don't see around that happen and they get done. Like um, Sister Juanita. She's been here for a while. She's had a few birthdays. And she's part of this church. Guess what? We got this beautiful floor out here. It looks slippery. It's not, but it looks slippery. People get out of the baptismal tank with their wet feet. And they walk around on the floor. This wonderful woman decides they need towels on the floor. Did anybody ask her to do it? No. Did she say, well, nobody's asked me to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. Let them slip around on the floor out there. Giant slip and slide. No. The woman happened to think about it. She's even not even maybe out in the hallway. I don't know how it occurred to her. She just did. So she brings a towel. Now, she didn't know today because I didn't get a chance to call her. So it's not her fault. It's my fault. I need help in the office, okay? Okay, so she comes and she brings towels out. Does anybody see that? No. We're all in here worshiping God. Did anybody ask her to do it? No. She just did it. Okay, and I know many of you do things like that. In fact, I heard from another couple, and I call on them sometimes, and I'm like, hey, can you guys do this? Oh, yeah. He goes, because you know what? God's been good to my family, and we just, the only way we can thank him is to serve in his church. I'm like, yes, that's right. God loves us so much. Okay, and there's a couple of benefits we're going to look at really quickly, that when we change our focus from ourself to service, that we are, we change totally when we think about that. You know, we sang a lovely song two weeks ago. A lovely song, it goes like this. It's all about you. Ready? It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. However, sometimes we might sing it like this. It's all about me. It's all about me. Ouch. It's all about me. Yeah. Ha, ha. Oh, she is good. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's not about us, is it? It's about Jesus. And when we serve others unselfishly, it creates this thing called joy. Can you say joy? Joy in my life. Massive, huge amounts of joy. And people look for joy everywhere. But the problem is they're all temporary places. They're things that don't last. They look for success or salary or status or popularity or how many likes did I get today? No, those are temporary. Yeah, we got to go for things that last longer than that, okay? The secret of joy is it gets the focus off of me. The more we focus on me, the more miserable we're going to be. And guess what? It's no accident that the word miser and miserable come from the same root word. 
Mm-hmm. Okay? We got to shift our focus from in here to out, and that's a counterculture move right there. I will give you props for doing that because we live in a culture that have it your way right away. Thank you, Burger King, for that one. Okay? It's a culture that is not. It's all inward focus for the most part. But you guys, we are outward focused, okay? And you know what? That takes, that's a big move in our culture. That is a big shift. But it can happen. It can happen. Okay? A good example is Apostle Paul. In Philippians 2.17, it says, My life is being poured out as part of the sacrifice and service I offer to God for your faith. Yet I am filled with joy, and I share that joy with all of you. What was he joyful about? He had a hard life. He was joyful because people were coming to know the Lord. And they were changing their lives. They were growing in God. He was happy and joyful. And he tell you what, the most helpful people are often the most happy. Actually, I think the most happy people are the ones who work at scooters. But that's beside the point. I don't think that's in the Bible. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I tell you, the scooters up here by church, those women are so genuinely happy. Not annoying happy, okay? Because I go at 8.30 in the morning. They are actually happy, and I want to drink coffee so bad because they're so happy. I'm like, wow, they're so happy to see. It's amazing, okay? But the most helpful people are often the most happy. Because if you know, we think about, if we think about ourselves too much, it magnifies what's going on here, and it magnifies it, and magnifies it till the, the, the issue that, because we all got issues, right? If we're perfect, we wouldn't be sitting here. Okay? It just magnifies the problem. Magnifies it, magnifies it, magnifies it. It doesn't do any good to just focus here. It just makes it worse. Or you just get cross-eyed and dizzy because you're looking too close. Okay? It is never good to look inward. You have to look out. Out. Philippians 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate. What a connection. Unselfishness, being considerate, joy. Tied together. There's the key there. Philippians 2, 4 says, forget about yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. <laughs> Ouchie, my word. Good thing yesterday was Valentine's Day and we're all hopped up on chocolate, huh? Okay, because those verses kind of hurt a little bit, but they're true. I mean, you got, okay, let me be honest with you for a second. Just one second, okay? Um, well, you know, as a mom, sometimes, you know, you have a couple kids and it gets a little, eventually you're like, man, if I just serve them, it's just, what's going to happen to my identity? I just, you know, it's easy. sometimes it's tempting to just grouch about it, you know, and roll the eyes. I've noticed that rolling my eyes and sign are like gateways to opening up this massive amounts of nastiness. You know what I mean? So I have to like stop my face from doing those things. And it's so much easier if I'll just go and serve them without saying a word. If I just do it with joy, guess what? And as I do it, I discover that's actually me there. If I had been all grouchy at him, like, well, I just put that away. You go get it yourself. No, that's not me. And then I just get grouchier and grouchier and grouchier. And that's not me. But if I'm like, oh, sure, I would love to get that for you. Yeah, let's do it. Then I'm be happy and I'm joyful. I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's the me I remember. Right? Right. So self-centeredness really doesn't help us at all. And I've said this before, but we have, we, a couple of times we have children's workers go to their, their kids' services and they come in with the cares of the world. We pray, they teach, they love, they come in, they're like, wow. Never fails. And I know that happens every other ministry. That's just the one I happen to be in touch with the most. But I know that happens with worship, greeting, ushers, sound, every area. If you lack joy in your life right now, start serving. God didn't put you on this planet just to live for you. If you find a place in the church, outreaches that we do, wherever you're at, find a place to serve. And guess what? Joy comes when I use my gifts to help other people. 
You hear actors a lot say, I was created for this role. They're like, yeah, I was created for this. God created you too for a role. And you're going to find it if you haven't so far. And you're going to feel that same sense of happiness and fulfillment. Okay? 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to make a ton of money. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. That eyesight is going more than I thought. That actually says to help each other. Passing on to others God's kind of blessings. God made us with special abilities. Why? Not to sit around and look pretty and dust them off every now and then, but to help other people and to pass on God's blessings. Isn't it cool? I always wonder in awe that God actually uses us to pass on his blessings. Yeah, it's so cool. Okay, serving others unselfishly will not only create joy in my life, but it will improve my relationships. Cool, huh? Because remember my example from earlier about serving in my home and stuff? Okay. At the root of um, bad relationships, a lot of times, is selfishness and self-centeredness. Okay? Serving will clear that right out. God is good about that. He helps you. When you say, I'm ready to serve, he helps you in there. And he helps you. And it takes, it takes care of relationship problems. You're serving together with somebody. You just start talking and you just, you both come out of your self and you're beginning to be who God made you to be and you're working together for something exciting, something bigger than you, the kingdom of God. And wow, your relationships turn around like that. Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride comes contention. It doesn't say conflict comes from serving. Does it? It says only by pride comes contention. We need the pride to be gone. People, we don't have time to be prideful. Jesus is coming. We got stuff to do. We got some fun to have around here, okay? Yeah, that's right. You heard me, fun. Even grown-ups can have fun in church. Yeah, serving God in his kingdom should be fun and fulfilling. When pride gets out of the way, we'll be doing that. How do I learn to be unselfish? Copy Jesus. He lived the most unselfish life ever. And guess what? We were all thinking, wow, that's so hard. He's so cool. Okay, but the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus out of the dead lives inside of you, so you can copy Jesus. Matthew 20, 28 says, Your attitude must be like my own, Jesus said, for I did not come to serve, but to, to be served, but to serve. I did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus specialized in menial tasks that nobody else wanted to do. He washed feet. Whew. He helped children. He fixed breakfast. He served lepers. If Jesus, the Son of God, can do that, so can we. The cool part about this, the more I bless other people, the more God blesses me. The more I serve others, the more God honors me. The more I minister to other people, the more God ministers to me. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, really. It's like your garden, you know. You take a seed out there and you're like, man, this pumpkin seed is awesome. I could roast it in the oven and eat it. Or I could plant it in the ground, grow about 50 other pumpkins, have a bazillion other seeds, and have some really good time. Okay, the same thing. When we serve and we give out of ourselves and something has to die, right? Let's just face it. You put a seed in the ground, something has to die. But what comes out of that? We die to self. And what comes out of that planting? A whole harvest of people who come to know Jesus. You know, I pull out of my drive this morning. I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm looking at my neighbors. And I don't know. I hope they go to church on Saturdays or they go to church after we've left the house. But their cars are still in the driveway, and it's freezing cold outside. And I'm like, man, it's cold out. It must be nice, you know, just sitting at home all cozy up, you know. And I'm like, God, it really hit me. They're going to be warm now. But if they don't go out and get to church and know God, they're going to be really hot later. And that's sad. All right? When people say, I don't have time to help and service, I don't have time to volunteer, guess what? Matthew 25 
verse 34 into 40-ish there. It talks about the end times and about, hey, when, you know, we go up to heaven and God says, hey, all you that serve me, come inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison. You came to see me. And people will be like, when did we do that for you, Jesus? And he said, when you did it to the least of these. Yeah. Yeah, isn't Jesus good? <laughs> All these good words, right? Proverbs seventeen eleven actually says this. You do yourself a favor when you're kind. Isn't that amazing? You do yourself a favor when you're kind. And the flip side, though, is Galatians 6, 3. It says, if you think you are too important to do help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. You're really a nobody. I'm just a messenger here, people. Don't hate me, okay? I'm just reading out of the Bible. <laughs> I, nobody here does that. I know that. But that's the thing we have to always keep in our mind, is that the heart of God is to serve. The heart of God is to serve. And I'll tell you this. Can I be honest with you guys again? Wow, twice in one morning. This is good. Okay? So there's times in my life where I've done a lot of serving, and then times where it changed and I didn't do quite as much. And because I was serving in other ways, like at home or whatever. But honestly, quite honestly, my physical body and my soul, my emotions, you know, had a little bit of, I had to really oomph it a little bit to get back into that way of serving again. Because I was kind of out of it. It's like exercise. You know, I haven't exercised for about five years. It's going to be really hard when I try to get down in our basement and exercise because I'm not used to it. Sometimes you got to stir yourself up a little bit. you got to, okay, come on, let's get back on that eating good food after Christmas and Valentine's Day. Let's get down to exercise. Let's get out and serve God. Sometimes you got to stir it up. It doesn't always feel good right away. But, man, you know how it is after you do it? You're like, wow, I feel awesome because I did it. I served God and I touched somebody's life. Jesus said in Mark 8, he said, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to serving, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Jesus knows. He knows. He knows the only way to save yourself is to give it away. Seems weird for our culture, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But God knows. He knows. And you know what? Sometimes we feel nobody sees what I do. God sees. God sees. The, ver- the fourth and final thing. What happens when I serve others and bless others? It will leave a legacy. You will leave a mark. You know, I know that um, there are several people in here that built this actual building. Like my parents, Jim and Laura, Patty and Terry. Different ones of you have been here. Lucy and Crystal, you guys have been here. But I think about mom and dad and Jim and Laura. You guys have been here. You built this building. But you built us. And your legacy is being left longer. This building will crumble to pieces one day. But you built us to do this. And we're building our kids to do it after us. And that's what leaves a mark. I don't know my people's generations from four four generations ago. But I see the fruit. Do you understand? You're going to leave a mark, two different marks. Leave it. Leave your mark. Those little wonderful children out there, make that your mark. People singing, worshiping, ushering, being people at the Chinese place, for Pete's sake. Leave your mark somewhere. Little Caesars needs a big old mark left there. Leave a big mark, okay? Get a reputation. This is the only church I will tell you to get a reputation. Because people who do good and serve will be known for that. If you die before Jesus comes back, what are people going to say about you? Are they going to say, wow, I remember them. They served. They loved. They were kind and generous. 
have a reputation for serving people. You know you want to have significance in your life. God made you that way. And the only way Jesus said to be great is to serve. The Bible says this in Hebrews 6. God is fair. God's fair. He will not forget the work you did, the love you showed for him by helping his people. He will remember you are still helping them. Okay, guess what, you guys? Some of us humans might forget. If one of us doesn't say thank you when you do something, it was not intentional because we're having more birthdays and we're very busy. But just me, we think about you guys during the week. We pray for you. But God will never forget what you've done. And he is fair. He is more fair than anybody or anything else ever. we got three choices with our life. We can spend our life. We can waste it. We can invest it. But the greatest use of life is to invest it in that which outlasts it. Okay? There's only two things that are going to last in the world, and that's the Word of God and people. Those things you can build your life on because they're going to be around forever. We're not looking for perfection. And guess what? Pretty much 100% of the people in the Bible that God used that were 100% human, Jesus wasn't all human, so we won't count him at this one, but all the people God used had flaws. Are you ready? Listen to this list. Abraham was old. Jake was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses was, he stuttered. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric. Naomi was a widow. I said that already. Ha! No cake for me, okay? (laughs) Peter was impulsive and had a hot temper. Martha was worried. The Samaritan woman had failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had bad health. Timothy was timid. Moses had a temper, but yet he became the humblest man on earth. Abraham had fear, but he was father of the faith. Gideon had low self-esteem and insecurities, but God made him a mighty man of valor. You got nothing. We got nothing to worry about. I got nothing to worry about. God's bigger than my insecurities. And you guess what, you guys? There's a verse that says, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Got that? You don't have to be mighty in spirit for God to use you. You're poor in spirit? That is the best place to be because yours is the kingdom. And let me just say this one last thing. You know, when God created Adam in the garden, the first thing God created him, him and God didn't just start hanging out, you know, order up some Jimmy John's. Let's sit here by the stream and chat for a while. God put Adam to work, didn't he? And this is what he said to Adam. He goes, I'm going to bring you the animals to see what you will call them. And that call is not just, oh, pretty kitty. That is a call that symbolizes their very character of who they are. God created you. And he is bringing by you in these days his creation in the world. And he is giving you a chance to call them something. As a church, we are going to see our culture brought to the Lord. Will you call these people that come by you at work, in your neighborhood, in our very seats in this place, our children, our older people, our middle, will you call them beloved of God? Will you call them whole? Will you call them forgiven? Will you call them loved? Will you call them a son of God? God wants to use you. And it's because he made you in his image. God made Adam in his image. And he gave him immediately a job to do. God made you in his image. He's given you a job to do. And if we do it together, and we call those creations out there 
and we call them into the kingdom of God, but we do it together, it's going to be way more enjoyable than a few of us doing it. And guess what? It's going to be way more effective. We're going to reach the lost together. And that's why we're here. And that's why we call, we're called to serve. We are created that way. We're created to bless people and to serve people. And if we don't ever use the gift, all those people who need what's in here won't get it. And you have the power. All you got to do is open it up. God made it. <laughs> all you got to do is use it. And the cool part is God gives you the power to do that. No fear, no fear, no insecurities, nothing stands in the way. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift up our hands before you as a sign that I'm giving you, Lord God, everything you've made in me. I'm giving you my passions. I'm giving you my desires. I'm giving you my genetic makeup, Lord God. Everything that I think that is in the way that I'm holding on to that keeps me from serving other people, from blessing people, I release it to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, take away every fear. Release gifts this morning, I pray. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to open up our minds and our hearts to dream and to see who you've made us to be and to step out in faith today and say, I will serve. I will bless because that's who you created me. I've been searching for who am I, Lord? I've been searching for what am I supposed to do? Why do I feel unfulfilled, Lord? Why do I feel restless and anxious and unsatisfied with my life? It's because I'm missing that one key element. And that's because you actually created me way to serve and to bless people and until i'm walking in it i will not feel fulfilled lord we release everything to you this morning lord god we give it to you lord god lead us guide us release us equip us in jesus name in jesus name we thank you lord god thank you lord god we thank praise you lord. lord let us stand let us stand and give our hand that was a good word yes please all stand you know there are some words you hear and you just need to think about it and process it. This is one of them. Because there are a lot of, you can just get one aspect of it and begin to apply it in your life, you know. Right now, I want us to just have our eyes closed all through this place. All that is nothing if you don't have Christ in your life. If you haven't asked Jesus uh, into your life. When you ask Jesus into your life, you accept Him as your Lord and your Savior. That's the beginning step because serving is awesome, as wonderful as it is. But without Christ, Jesus said, I don't want to lose. He said, you don't want to lose your, gain the whole world and lose your own soul. But this morning, Jesus wants to come into your life. In fact, the Bible says that the Son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world. God's not condemning your life. He's not looking at your past and thinking, Jesus, not you, not her, not him. He says that he came into the world that the world may be saved through him. And this morning, God wants to save your life. And with, as we pray this morning, and we're going to have a few more uh, songs here to sing and worship God. I want every eye closed right now. And I'm going to pray a special prayer for you. If you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, this morning is your time to have your relationship with God right. Just make things right with God in your life. I want you to raise your hand where you are because I'm going to see you. My eyes are open. As every head is bowed, every head is 
Uh, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want you to raise your hand just to indicate. To say, Pastor Solo, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Pastor Solo, I want to think, make things right with God. I want to start right. I want to make things right with God. God is already, He's actually waiting for you. He's been waiting for this moment for you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, yes. You know, I, I want to start a fresh start with God in my life. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I tell you, I tell you how we're going to do this. In fact, I'm going to just lead us in a prayer together. And all of you, just pray together with those that raise your hands as well. Just pray this out of your heart and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I open my heart to you. I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you came and died for me. And today I accept the gift of salvation. I ask you, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. Make me new again. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can, you can clap. That's fine. This is, an, this is an excellent time to do that. I want to tell you that that was a very simple prayer. And it doesn't take a complicated prayer for God to hear. What God looks for is your heart. You see, the scripture says that one believes. It's with the heart that you believe for righteousness. But then you make a confession with your mouth. And it says that with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made for salvation. By connecting those two. Saying, Lord, I believe in you. And I want you in my life. And I'm praying this simple prayer just to declare that. God sees that if your heart is sincere. Man can judge on the outside. The Bible God, God looks on the inside. And I want to encourage you right now that you're now born again and things are right with God. The past is gone. He says, when you come to Christ Jesus, all things have passed away. And behold, right at this moment, all things have become new because of you accepting Christ. And because of that, there's a celebration going on in heaven right now as we're standing here because of that. Don't forget that because it means so much to God. And it should mean that much to you. Amen. Father, I thank you for your presence right now. As we dedicate this next session of the service, as we worship, we just ask for your presence to fill this room. We ask that you touch every heart, that you change our lives and transform us into the likeness of your son. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. The worship team is going to lead us in some songs as we worship. These folks on the corner here are there to pray for people. If you need prayer, stand with somebody. Go, grab, and they'll pray with you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you meant in your heart, I want you, before the service ends, you talk to one of those guys here. And we have something to put in your hand that will help you to continue to serve the Lord. Now let's just worship God together. And the altars are open also. Amen. We are alive, filled with